shots on the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Value Adds Value. This is the second part of our series called Refined, Refine, and Reinvent. Uh, if you haven't checked out the prior episode from last week, we really highly recommend you do so. And this series is all about how during this time of distance learning, where now most of us are realizing we're not going back to our classrooms until the fall, how can we grow and reinvent ourselves when that time comes next year and it starts by, you know, spending time to refine yourself and then refine yourself by, you know, getting rid of all of the impurities, all the things that have been weighing you down. And then we'll work next week on how to reinvent. So we really hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, please like it, subscribe it, share it, and uh, check out the ledproject.com for all the rest of the things we're working on. We hope you enjoy this episode of Value Adds Value. Let me go back to what you said. What 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 keeps them from 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 being still? Noise. We become addicted to noise. We are a society right now that is addicted to noise because not all noise is bad noise. You know, um, I love waking up in the morning, going outside, and you hear the birds chirping. It's a good noise. I've even come accustomed to the planes flying overhead and the stories of all the people that are on the planes as they're passing by my house so close to the shakes the top roof of my house. I, you know, you grow and you're used to that. And you know, my people in, in Chicago and places like that, you know, that have the elevated trains know what I'm talking about when you having something like that rolling over you. Yeah, um, I, re- I remember in, in college, in my college town in Winona, Minnesota, there was a, you know, it's a river town. Um, so there are trains everywhere and like three of my five years that I was there, like the train tracks were literally within, I could throw a baseball and get to the train tracks. So, you know, but it's amazing how like the first couple nights it keeps you up, but then from there you don't, you don't even. It almost rocks you to sleep. You become so accustomed to it that it becomes part of your sleep. And when it when you don't hear it, like now we don't hear as much air traffic because there's not as much as many planes flying. Like we don't, like I can. Yesterday I did not hear a plane at all at my house, and you know the proximity of me to IH. Mm-hmm. Like it's literally in my backyard. I did not hear one plane yesterday, and that's crazy. But I knew that I didn't because I had grown so accustomed to hearing the noise. We've gotten so addicted to noise that when we get the silence, the silence scares us. And so how do we sit still is that we learn to embrace the silence. 
sometimes silence is going to reveal some things that we we don't want to deal with. Mm. Silence is going to reveal some of our own discrepancies. And that's when we get into this next word, refine. Uh, one of the things that, that refining talks about, silence, it actually reveals some of those impurities or some of those unwanted elements within us that the only way we're going to become who we are is to address those, to embrace those, so that we can dispel those. Well, you know, and, and it reminded me of what you were saying, you know, the other morning to where your your brain has gotten so accustomed to having that silence, to having that time to to dump and, and flush things out. But we both know from experience, I mean, you know, there are... I don't, I mean, demons aren't necessarily the right words, but there are things within all of us that we know are in there that we cover up and it's mistakes and it's regrets and it's pain that we've had. And it's hard to, it's hard to deal with because I know that for me, and I know you deal with this sometime too, when you first start getting into silence, your brain tries to fill it with noise and it just comes like a freight train. But the more you put yourself in that position, and for me, you gave me good advice too, is, is you know, with your meditation to be writing. Because I, I found that once you write, you know, once you write things and like you said, you get them out of your head, they tend not to come back in there. The ones that aren't important, if you get them out, you write them down, they don't stay. And steadily as you write things down and, and you're processing what's going on with you, that stuff that's not the wanted part. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning like, you know, the old, in the old 1840s where you'd scoop up a, a, a pot of, or, a, you know, a, a pie pan with holes poked in it full of mud and you'd get it in the water and you'd shake it and you'd shake it and you sift it out until all the mud and, and you know, maybe gold, the gold was what was left. You know, you have to find a way to sift through all of that stuff. You know, it's, and I'm not as good with the analogies um, as you are, but, you know, whether you're talking about spirits, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, let me give you an example real quick. Okay. When I was, I actually preached a message on this. Um, and I said that the, the, the devil, the enemy, whoever your enemy is, the ideal is they want you to stay, keep those things inside. You were talking about writing down those demons, writing down those, that noise that comes out of your meditation. Because the moment you write it down, <clears throat> you said it, you said it doesn't come back so easily because I've gotten it out. But what the enemy and what, what, what your mind would want to do is to say, I want to keep you covered. I want to keep hiding you so that I can threat, use the threat of exposing you as my weapon. I'm going to use the threat of your laziness coming out as your weapon to keep being lazy. I'm going to use the threat 
of your um, whatever it is that you're doing, your drinking or, or your overabundance of drinking or your, you know, your lying or whatever it is that you're trying to hide. I'm going to use the thread of it. And that keeps you feeling guilty. That keeps you ashamed. And it makes you start to become condemning on yourself. And so the moment you expose yourself, you know, you take the veil and you say, you know what? Enough with that. Yep. Hi, my name is Wilkie Law and I'm an alcoholic. You know, that, that's the premise behind AA meetings is they make you go in, say who you are and say that you're an alcoholic. You have to admit that these things exist within you before you can start to get rid of them. You have to admit why, why make an entire pot before you realize that the clay that you've been working out of is marred? Why, why build an entire pot that you know is not going to hold water because the clay that you started with wasn't good to begin with? No, you, that's the whole process when you're building, making clay. My wife and I did the pottery class and she gave us the whole theory of that's why you wet it. That's why you press it. That's why you're pushing it. You're trying to get all of the air pockets out because air pockets are impurities in clay. Because why? Because the clay is going to get hard. If the air pocket is there, it's going to shatter easy. Matter of fact, it probably won't even make it out of the kiln. The kiln. It, it won't even make it out of the kiln because it's going to stay there because it's going to explode and you'll never get to experience it. So now you put work into something. You'll put work into something thinking because the whole process says you make it, you dry it, then you put it in the kiln to get refined. Yours, you put in all this work, these hours of work, only to put it in a fire and it explode because you didn't get everything out in the beginning. And that's where we have to get our minds to saying, let me get, let me find me. Let me face me face to, let me look at myself face to face. You know, I go back to that Michael Jackson song, you know, I'm look, starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No message could ever been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, he said, take a look at yourself and make the change. Man, my God. Love you know, so and, 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 and with that, even to talking, you know, it's scary to have your, your secrets, your guilt, and your shame out there. And the first thing I would say to it is, when you're writing it down yourself, you choose who you share it with. Are you sure? Writing it down itself, it speaks to that whatever it is you're hiding. Yeah. More than you sharing with someone. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to go around around say, hey, hey man, you know this? Hey, you know, you know, I did this, I just want to let you know. No, no. Writing it down makes me conscious of it. And, and it makes it that's know. The first. Yeah. That's the first. And it lets it know that you don't have me anymore. Because I've already revealed, I've already revealed my hand to myself. Mm -hmm. So that now, when I find that accountability partner, that trust partner, you know, had a conversation with a buddy of mine the other day, and he was like, "Man, you know, I've been sleeping in. You know, my sleep patterns are off. I'm not tired at night." I said, "Try waking up earlier. Try waking up earlier, going to bed on time. You know, my body shuts down around ten o'clock. I mean, uh, to be ten o'clock." If I'm still up at 10 o'clock, I'm probably sleep on the couch. And yeah. I know that sounds, yeah, sounds like a crazy your, your body's pulling the ripcord. <laughs> right. 
But and then my wife's like, well, it's because you wake up so early. Exactly. I would, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. And and prior to distance learning, I was getting up at um, maybe like 4.30, 4.40. And now I'm getting up a little bit before 6. But and that's, I sleep in those, I sleep, I sleep in about an hour or two every day yeah, for my normal. For my normal. But the thing is that to me, that isn't, that's using my time better. And I know that that extra bit of sleep, because now, you know, we're going to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock, and I'm sleeping till almost 6. I'm getting like a full 8, if not more, every night. You and that's like my grandparents do when the sun goes down. I, told, I was laughing with my wife. I said, if the sun's down, she goes, text Kyle right now. I said, I can't. The sun's down. <laughs> <laughs> Talitha got jokes. But, um, you know, and, and then the second part, after you've, you know, coming back to, you know, guilt and shame and that fear of being exposed. The second part of that is understanding that you're still going to make mistakes. But the thing is you, I, the, the, the number one thing I underestimated about kids is how forgiving they are. Because, you know, like there was this, a situation where kind of right before right before we went on distance learning, I had had a, a discussion with a student and, you know, she was very frustrated by the situation and it just kind of turned into a whole thing. And then another student wanted to talk to me about it later. And he was like, well, you know, you could have done this and you could have done that. And I, you know, we were talking about it and he's like, I mean, overall, I, I think you just, you could have handled the situation better. And I was like, yeah, you know, right. I could have. He's like, what do you mean you could have? I'm like, yeah, I know. There are things that I could do to handle situations better. And he was like flabbergasted to hear me say that there were things that I could do better. And I just said to him, uh, it was like a moment. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get better at this. Like, I'm not a perfect person and I'm trying to do better in the situations that I'm in. And I don't always do better and I don't, don't always do perfect, but you know, that goes, that takes me to my, my saying that I always say in my classroom. Own your wrong so you can move on. Own your wrong so you can move on. When I'm wrong and I admit it, what I just eliminated is now my, 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 my haters, those people against me, can't use my wrong as as a tool against me. You know, I, I love that scene from Eight Mile with Eminem yeah. where yeah. he gets up there yeah. and he rips into himself. Yeah. I am this, I am that. I did do this, your boys did do this and I'm still sitting here saying blank the free world. So all of that he put out there in the atmosphere and the last thing he says was here, now tell these people something they don't know about me. Gary 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 V references that scene in Eight Mile all the time, talking about about owning owning your wrong. I mean, because that's and and when you say that too, you know, guilt and shame. That's where they thrive is when you don't own it. Now I have something to hover over your head. Yeah, I can keep you walking around like this. I mean, and and even you know it you know, it can even get a step worse is that you blame it on other people. Mm. That blame game. Not, not just that, that, 
not just that, you know, you did something wrong. I mean, but you're blaming other people for the fact that you did something wrong, or you're not even admitting that it was wrong. You know, there, there are so many manifestations of not owning your wrong, but I think when it comes, you know, if we're coming back to refinding and refining yourself, like if you can't just basically find time and space to look at yourself and allow yourself and allow yourself to see, you know, it, it's, I was looking at my, I've been using the Headspace app for probably three or four years now. And I'm at like almost 8,000 minutes of meditation. And that's the really nice thing about that is it tracks it. But I still have moments where shame and guilt like come over me, like things that I did years and years ago in college and mistakes that I made, you know, they come and they jump at the strangest times. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of, of the, uh, the book, The War of Art by um, Stephen Pressfield. And he, he calls all of this, all the things that keep you from doing your work, the resistance. And he says this resistance will mount its forces as strongly as it can when the closer you get to doing what you're supposed to do. Say that again. So, so his premise, and, and it's a super short book, like the audio book is less than two hours. He said, he calls everything that prevents us from doing our work. And he defines our work as what we were put on this planet to do. He says, resistance, its job, and whether you call resistance the devil or what, however you want to say it, resistance's job is to keep you from doing your work. And the closer you get to being who you are and doing your work, the stronger resistance will get. And res resistance will be its strongest right at the finish line. Wow. <clears throat> you know, and that's... Um, and that's really wow. something that, that strikes me. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, I strongly suggest you go out and you read The War of Art. Um, and if we're just talking about stillness, there are, there are books. Uh, there's a meditation teacher called Pema Chodron, um, P-E-M-A-C-H-O-D. REN. I don't know if I'm spelling that. She has a bunch of books, but then also the books by, I mean, we've, we've read all the Brene Brown books several times over. Um, especially if you're dealing with guilt and shame, that's, that's a place to go is the Brene Brown books. Um, but so, so let's just say, for example, now, if you were going to put a percentage chance on it, zero to a hundred, what is the percentage chance that you see your kids before the end of the year? In the same physical location, like in the school? Yeah. In, in your classroom. What are, what are the chances you teach a class in your classroom in the 2019-2020 school year? I would love to say 50%, um, being very optimistic. Um, 
I think it'll probably, I think it's probably closer to 40, 35, 40% chance. Um, <clears throat> our district actually went to stop giving dates and just said until further notice. So we don't even have a date. Right. Other districts have, you know, April 30th, you know, when the when the government lifts the lockdown, you know, our stay at home has been extended to April 30th. Yeah, ours is May, May 3rd, I think. And yeah. so, but then, you know, you hear the reports of people saying they're going, they're wanting everyone to get tested before you go back to work. So now you're, you're talking about widespread testing. And just in our profession alone in the United States, you're talking about 3 million teachers. And how do you have prioritize, I mean, you know, that, but, you know, where, where I was going with that, and, and let's just say, hypothetically, that, that we don't go back. We keep teaching in this distance learning phase, but we are targeting August, September as the time when we're going to be back with kids. If we're talking about refinding and refining yourself, and we were talking about this yesterday, you have five months, April, May, June, July, and August, four and a half or five months to be doing this process, to be doing this work. Mm -hmm. And refinding yourself is a long process. It is not a one time I sit down for an hour and find yourself my process in my old house in houston you remember i turned that dining room into an office and i put a eight a four i put a four by eight whiteboard and it made my mom so mad but i don't know how many times i filled that entire whiteboard up with things that i was thinking and things that i was going and i would take a picture of it to save it and then i'd erase it and i and i just kept doing that and for me that process you know, the most invaluable tool in that process is writing mm -hmm. or now speaking, you know, doing, doing the podcast. But when we're talking to teachers about refining and refining, it's a process. This is not a, it's not a one-off. It's not a one-off thing. Like I do this one time. Well, you look at the, what, what, what the definition of refining is. Refining says removing impurities or unwanted elements from a substance. And it says, I love this part, typically as part of an industrial process. It also says, another definition says, improve something by making small changes in particle, in particular make more subtle and accurate. To make more subtle and accurate. Sugar is refined. They dump sugar, there's pure sugar cane. Like, I remember growing up, we used to get sugar cane. That was one of the best treats to get a little. stick of a sugar cane and you sit there and gnaw on the sugar cane when we were going to the East Texas countryside. And they were like, oh, you know, that's not how you make the sugar. You actually take the sugar and you boil it. You have to boil it. And the level of heat that has to come from that 
from those bats. You can't just do that in a kitchen. Like you really have to, like you have to almost some moonshiner stuff. You know, yeah, people do that with maple syrup up here. With maple syrup, absolutely. So that process means that I have to remove everything that's not supposed to be in here so that everything that's in here, because everything that's not supposed to be in here when you go through that refining process, it goes away. It gets evaporated or the heat takes it away. You know, uh, gold. You know, gold itself has to be refined. You know, um, when you find gold in the earth, you put it in and once you sift through it, and once, once you get, you know, you talked about, you know, sifting your, sifting the pan and mining for gold, getting those little nuggets, even when you've done all that, you still have to take that gold and get it refined because it has to be melted down. What, what does that mean? It means you got to heat it up to get any impurities out of what's still left in there. And then shape it into what it and should then, be. Then shape it. And in, in these words we've been talking about and we were talking about, I look at that prefix RE. Mm -hmm. You know, and. It, it makes me think of, you know, the fact that whatever most teachers need is within them. You don't, mm. we talk about this as a, a kind of a point of contention with, per, with teacher development, is it always tells you that you need to add more. Mm -hmm. It always tells you that you need to do this new thing or add this tool when really it's about sharpening and in this case refining and then refining what you already have and i can see as a teacher you know when you're talking about that refining process teachers have downloaded and brought so much information into themselves whether it's strategies and pedagogy and content but also the experiences and the stories and the relationships of all of these kids all of these things that are have come into you if we don't try to refine that information and to me it, it makes me see a teacher as like okay you you've taken all of this stuff in and some of what you've taken in is is good some is bad but when you heat all of it up and you you know boil out the bad you're left with those things that are good and true you're left with what you've learned from all of these relationships now over 10 years. You're left with all the experiences. You're left with an understanding of what to do in certain situations. And it comes back to this thing you always talk about when it comes to professional development is, are you reflecting on what you've done? Have you, are you checking whether what you think you're doing the plan you had, whether it actually worked. Mm -hmm. Are you are you checking into that? You know, and you know, most of the time we're not. Yeah. Most of the time we're not. We are. Uh, my brother used to always tell me. I used to call my brother so excited about so much, and I'll be like, "Man, you know, I just I just made this new song, or I just wrote this new song, or." Man, when I started preaching, you know, every time I would come up with a new message or I'll get this grand revelation that, that I've not heard anybody say before and I shared my brother, my brother would always be, and, and at first I thought it was like, 
you know, bro, really, you, you, you're such a buzzkill, you know, because I'm like, you know, all amped up, and he's like, it was already in you. You're not doing anything new. It was already in you. And that's what he kept telling me. It's already in you. And I'm like, but you can't celebrate with me? Just He's like, why am I going to celebrate you for doing what you, what you were born to do? And at first, again, I thought it was, okay, he just doesn't care. He's just tripping, so I'm not going to call him. But I kept calling. I kept calling out. And then finally, I asked him, say, what do you mean? He said, bro, I've watched you grow up since you were a baby. I've watched what was being poured into you. I've even poured into you, poured into you myself. So for you to reveal that which is poured into you is not a reason for me to get excited. It's a reason for me to just be, be happy that you're in that position. But if I get too excited, then you'll get too comfortable and you'll stay there. And I want you to keep digging. I want you to keep going because you haven't even seen the best that's in you. A little tough love, but at the same time, it reminded me that what you just said, everything as a teacher that you need is in you. You just have to go find it. I didn't force you to do anything different when, when we started talking and I started mentoring you. It was just me going and finding out what's inside of you. What are your desires? What are your longings? And one of the questions we always ask people, what made you want to start teaching? There was something that made you, in the back of your mind, choose that profession. To choose that profession. There's so many other professions you can go into. Yeah. So and many it, other professions. You know, and, and this takes me back to something you've said a bunch of times. Sometimes tough love, the hardest person we to give tough love to is ourselves. Mm. Are you willing? And I know if I found all my old notebooks, I could find it because I know I've written it down a half a dozen times. The question, are you willing to give yourself tough love? Are you willing to take an objective look at who you are and what you're doing and point out where you are not being yourself you're not being not being your best self because it does and it takes away that one spot that you had because you could have easily said to your brother oh my brother just doesn't want me to be successful my brother just doesn't think that my ideas are good enough my brother just doesn't like it because my ideas are better than his and he couldn't do this what i'm doing but once you get to the point where you can give yourself tough love, and it's so your life changes. And the funny thing about when you're willing to give yourself tough love, I find myself giving tough love to a lot less people. <laughs> you know? Because you you understand what tough love is. Yeah. And what what happens, you don't I don't think you just not give tough love to people or you, you're limited. I think what happens is you're more intentional or you're more um, you're considering what, what, what the ramifications are. 
would I receive this is a question that I always ask myself. Yeah. You know, and, and there's, and we've talked about this too. There are a lot of people who use that, what they call black truth mm. oh, man. and say, uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson calls it a black truth. And that's where I heard it, which is the converse of a white lie, which is something you tell someone that is true with the intention of hurting them. And there's so much tough love that is given to kids with the veil of, I just want to help you. But there's a difference between being honest with a kid and telling them difficult things with empathy than just coming out with fire on a kid. And quote unquote, I don't think this is, but putting a kid on blast. There's a huge difference. But you said something earlier about when you talked about, are you willing to give yourself tough love? And I'm going to say this, you can't go through the refining process until you give yourself tough love. During this time right now, because guess what? There's no one around me to see me fall. There's no one around me to see me cry and, 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 and break down, but my family, the people who love me the most. So this is the best time to kind of bury yourself so that when you come out, you've already sprouted and what everybody else sees is a flower as a result of the splitting of the seed. You have to be willing to look at yourself in the mirror you know, I've been tracking my progress since February 1 for my for my, uh, my my physical changes. Took a picture February 1, March 1, April 1. And when I look at the pictures from February to March, I don't see that big of a difference. When I look at it from March to April, I don't see that big of a difference. But when I look from February to April, I see a difference. I see a difference. So we have to be willing to look at ourselves in that same fashion and ask ourselves, compared to the last month, where am I? Compared to where I started, where am I? Compared to yesterday, where am I? Compared to first block, where am I? You know what I mean? So it's that process of going through all the time and kind of putting yourself in a position to where you can, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not tough love, but self-assess. Self-assess. Yep, there it is. Where you can self-assess and really get a true assessment. Not a fictitious one. Not one that you're saying, I'm going to see what I believe I see instead of what I really see. Because in order to see what you believe, you have to start out with what, what actually is. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's, and that's the tough thing about starting in the, the silence and getting into that space is letting go of what you want yourself to be and, and, and not seeing what you want to see, but seeing what's actually there, you know, cause we, it's, we're really good as humans at justifying and rationalizing everything that we do. We are good at that. 
but rationalize everything. I mean, I my first year of teaching, I rationalized going out for happy hour every Thursday night. You know? And then I rationalized, you know, going out Friday night and going out Saturday night. And then, you know, using only the Sunday really to just try to get myself together for the next week. I rationalized that that was my reward for teaching for a week. Mm-hmm. I deserve this. I des- I, there it is. I, deserve <laughs> I, there's a huge difference between, like you said, I deserve to house this entire pint of ice cream and saying, I'm going to have a couple scoops of ice cream because I like it and I enjoy it. And I'm going to have just those few scoops, just those few scoops. Yep. And then I'm going to move on. So that I can have a few scoops a couple of days later, and I'm not just gonna sit here and go ham. You know, I don't. I I can. I think of the last time I've eaten eaten an entire pint of ice cream in one sitting in a while, mm-hmm. because it just doesn't. I know where I want to be, and anything that will prevent me from getting to where I want to be. And again, I'm not perfect, so I'm not going to say I block it out. I'm going to say I limit it. Coffee is one of those things. And I had to prove to myself that I can go without coffee. This is my first cup of coffee during the quarantine, brother. Mm. Uh, Not tea. This is not tea. This is not tea. Not lemon water like I have been drinking. I actually wanted coffee this morning. And so I was like, you know what? Let me get me a coffee, you know? I got it, you know? I'm like, yeah, I got coffee. Instant coffee. Make me a quick cup of coffee. Got me some creamer yesterday, just in case I wanted some. Really going to try this iced coffee recipe I've been seeing everybody make online. Sounds good. Just want to try it out. But again, you have to be able to see yourself, know what it is that holds you back. Know what presents your barriers. Know, know what are those things that that get you off. Um, you know, I think about Muhammad Ali when he used to talk about his training. He was very adamant about his training regiment being a certain way because if there was too much going on or not enough going on, his training wouldn't be the same. You know, Usain Bolt talked about what he does in the off season when nobody sees him, the training that goes into him getting ready to run. You have to ask yourself, what are those things that while I'm trying to accomplish this are going to keep me from doing that? And then you gotta, like I say, limit or completely get rid of. Once again, y'all, thank you for checking out Value Adds Value. Um, We really appreciate all the support. And we want you to know that right now, during this difficult time, we're standing with you. And if there's anything that myself, Wilkie, or our team can do to help you, uh, we're all ears. All you have to do is just reach out to us through our social media channels, at Value Adds Value, at its.will.law.iii, at Mr.K dot in room 508 or through our website the ledproject.com but once again we really appreciate you listening 
supporting and uh, we hope you'll reach out and and let us help you become the teacher your kids deserve